0: We appreciate you joining us today. This is Corey Worden. I'm the administrator for the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty, and you're listening to the first episode of our ASSP Health Beat podcast. Today we have two very special guests. We have Holly Bolin and Dr. Bird, and they're going to be talking with us about ergonomics. So as we know, ergonomics is a very broad hazard area. It covers everything from individual workstations to repetitive motions and awkward positions, and in the healthcare environment, things like patient handling, and a lot of operations in pharmacies and laboratories and everything in between. So within that, they have a lot of great information and a lot of great advice to pass along in terms of preventing ergonomic injuries and exposures to the, to the hazard. So we're gonna go ahead and talk to them for a little bit. And if I may, um, Dr. Burke, we'll start with you. If you wanna give us a quick intro about yourself and, and what you do in the world.
1: Sure. Thank you, Corey. Uh, My name is Mike Bird. I'm the VP for patient and staff safety at Akron Children's Hospital and a practicing uh, emergency physician, pediatric emergency physician. I've been at Children's for about uh, 25 years and uh, have had uh, a number of different roles in uh, patient safety and staff safety. And um, Holly has uh, told me frequently that I have the the face for radio. So it's great to be on this audio podcast.
0: Great. Thank you. We appreciate you being here today. And Holly, if you want to give a quick quick introduction, please.
2: Sure. Um, My name is Holly Bolin. Um, I am the occupational safety and health specialist at Akron Children's Hospital. Um, I've been at the hospital for a little over a year and a half. Um my background um is in various areas of industry, including manufacturing, lab, and distribution. I've been in the safety field for a little over 10 years.
0: Excellent, excellent. We appreciate you being here today. And Holly is also on our advisory board for the healthcare practice specialty. So, like like with everybody, if anybody's interested in being involved with the with the practice specialty advisory board, you're always willing, always welcome to let us know, and we can be happy to send you information on that. Always done a great job with with that role. And within that we've been able to develop this podcast. So like I said, today we're going to be talking about ergonomics. So we'll go ahead and start with the basis of the hazard. You know in terms of ergonomics, there's a lot of different things that can cause things like musculoskeletal disorders and repetitive motion injuries and different subsets of that, things like carpal tunnel and a lot of different other um, a lot of different other syndromes or symptoms. So within that, um, let me just ask you both. So, how does this hazard tend to present itself uh, in your workplace and your operations that you've seen?
1: Okay, uh, thanks, Corey. So th- that's a great question to start off with, and I guess uh, you know many of you might be uh, familiar with how ergonomics overexertion is is in your areas, but um, but I think that uh, it's it's very pervasive and um uh, it's 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 in many places that you you may not expect so so for us um you know we're at, we're at a children's hospital but uh so so we have obviously little babies that weigh a couple pounds that are relatively easy to lift but we also have um you know adolescent uh, football players that weigh 250 pounds were uh, the regional burn center <clears throat> in our area and so we have a, a number of adults in our burn center as well so we have uh, so so for a, a, a hospital even even us as a children's hospital um, one of the biggest ways that uh, we are challenged with ergonomics is uh, patient lifting moving transferring um and that would include um patients in in beds or wheelchairs and even uh, neonates that are in isolates that are very heavy that we have to move around uh, with re- with regards to transfer transporting um, in ground vehicles or in helicopters
2: and we also have um, situations where um, we have staff that are transferring and moving equipment and material. So I think people here, hospital and ergonomic uh, safety situations on a daily basis. Um, some of the tasks they do uh, could be like a routine lift or transfer. Um, you've got staff in roles such as nutritional services, environmental services, facilities, um, that uh, are transferring boxes containers bottles different pieces of equipment but you also have our clinical staff that are moving um, things such as ultrasound machines cardiology equipment Um, you may even get a non-routine um that's asking for moving of you know furniture request from a family or a chair or a piece of, uh, you know, couch or something like that. We also see tasks in our non-clinical staff when you have repairs or unusual circumstances, um, such as moving something to be fixed or something, you know, where you would see just about anywhere where maybe a storm has hit and you need to move trees out of the road. And so, you know, we we do have a, a, a big variety of moves and transfers. And additionally, um, a lot of people probably associate push-pull. Um, so you've got linens. Uh, food service carts, uh, lawn, laundry bins, things like that, that you need to have um, push-pull movement done routinely and non-routinely. So it's it's a pretty diverse um, presentation of ergonomics in the workplace in healthcare.
0: Definitely, definitely, that's great information, and it's interesting how it goes all the way from you know pediatric or even neonatal patients you know, all the way to moving, you know, heavy carts of linens and, and furniture. And it's also interesting, like y'all said, that you have, you know, the perception that because it's a children's area, that, you know, you're gonna be dealing with babies or pediatric patients. But like you said, you definitely have people that qualify as, as you know, pediatric, but they they may, um, you know, be well over, you know, between 100 and 200 or more pounds. So the the hazard presents in a lot of different ways and it's great that y'all are watching out for that. So within that, it sounds like you've seen a lot. Uh, What are some of the best practices that you'll have going on as far as hazard controls and looking at preventing these types of injuries?
1: So um, I think before we dive into that, uh, kind of the the details around that, I want to speak to sort of at a a very high level, one of the most important best practices around, around fixing these kind of, uh, or preventing these kind of injuries and, and others as well that you might have in your organization. And that is around leadership and board involvement. So one of the things that we do with our employee injuries, uh, the ergonomics and the other ones as well, is that our our board members are aware of these injuries. We, pre- we present to them uh, every month at their meetings. And so they are aware of the injuries. Many of them are in uh, manufacturing industries. Our, our, our lay board members are familiar with these kind of industries, or injuries. They um, they've seen them in their workplaces as well. And uh, so so by raising awareness, we get their their buy-in for prevention strategies. They, we get their buy-in for um, funding for Interventions that that may cost a little money but prevent a lot of injuries going forward. And so I would I would recommend to everybody that uh, to, that they figure out ways to bring this uh, bring this awareness forward forward. Make sure your leadership and board members are familiar with these injuries. And uh, and with that it it will really help as you get uh, you get buy-in for interventions that may cost uh, money or additional resources. Holly?
2: Right, and and that is really crucial because without that involvement, um, you know, you can have the best programs but um, not really see a, a, a lot of progress, so I agree that's crucial. Um, a few other things that we use, um, for hazard control and prevention of ergonomic injuries would be a written program um, and we make sure that our written program is updated regularly um, as we learn new things and um, continue to address um, hazards um, in the workplace and we want to make sure that they're covering all the types of hazards so our program um, can't just be around patient lifting it's also got to be around material transfers Um, obviously training and we continue to look for ways to Um, update that and and make that better and more engaging for our staff. Um, And we do have a variety of screening tools that we use. Um, So some of those would be um, some specific to patient lifting. We have what we call our safe lifting algorithm, which our staff that our patient facing can use to proactively um, assess a patient along the lines of weight you know, how much a patient can assist with a lift, the type of lift, um, and then, you know, specifics such as planning the lift and they can determine ahead of time if they can do this lift with just the patient or if they're gonna need additional staff to help. So that algorithm is something that we use for our nursing staff. Um, We also use the NIOSH lifting equation a fair amount and we can use that for our routine tasks if we've got staff moving materials, on a regular basis, such as maybe you have to deliver a cart of water bottles somewhere, it's good to know, you know, um, can you lift the material onto the cart? How's the safest way to do that? You can use the equation to give you those parameters and how much you can move at one time. Um, the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation developed a set of push-pull guidelines with Ohio State University and that's available online and certainly something I can share, um, but that is something where you can enter parameters of what type of cart you're using and how heavy the load is, how the employee is placed, their their hands and their height on that cart and it gives you safe lifting guidelines for or safe push pull guidelines for that task. Um, And then we also um, are are in development of a a nice workstation, workstation assessment to include our computer clinical and lab workstation tasks. And this is something an employee can use to assess their workstation for the ergonomic safety and then they can also they need assistance pull in a a safety um staff member to help them assess and improve their workstation so some of the those are some of the things we're using to be proactive with our staff
0: that's outstanding i like how you mentioned uh, dr burr i like how you mentioned the overarching leadership support i i can't agree more with how important that is because regardless of what the safety professionals do on a day-to-day basis without that kind of support for not only the, you know, financial resources and the budget, but also the time and the, you know, I, I don't like to use the word, but we'll like say enforcement, you know, to make sure that these things are being validated and they're being done each day. That's very important because as safety professionals, we can make all the recommendations in the world, but if if they don't happen during the operations, then we'll still be seeing the same outcomes. So, that's fantastic advice, and it looks like y'all have been very successful with that based on everything that, that you and Holly have said. So that's great. Um, so knowing that, you, you discussed a lot of your best practices in terms of preventing ergonomic injuries. So with these things in place, what are some methods that you have to validate their effectiveness in, in terms of leading indicators in ways that you know you're heading in the right direction?
2: So we have an ergonomics team um, that meets monthly um, at least, and we review our events, we review reported concerns, and we um, continually review our screening tools and look for ways to improve on them, um, to trial improvements and to share best practices um, within departments and also outside of our organization with other organizations. So um, our team is really good at continually improving and watching um, what we see, what we hear, and um, looking to continually find new ways to improve those. Um, when we have a reported event, we uh, will do a root cause or apparent cause analysis on that event to see what we need to do to improve um, the situation for that specific department, but then also across the organization. And we do also evaluate some of our near misses or reported hazards as apparent parent cause analysis as well so that we can catch it before it causes an injury. Um, a couple other things that we do are job hazard analysis um, where we're breaking down individual tasks um, or jobs step by step and we have an ergonomics area that we cover on that. We make sure that effectively this employee's task is um, Addressing any ergonomic concerns before anyone were to get hurt and if there's anything that needs to be done or further evaluated We can then do an ergonomic assessment and then our employees can also request an ergonomic assessment So that's something that's fairly new in our organization that we're doing um, but um, You know employees are learning about that and being educated on that so they know they can request that before they start feeling any sort of Ergonomic discomfort
1: Yeah, uh couple of things I would add is that um, so Holly and I report up. You, you know, you, you've you've seen one uh, hospital reporting structure, and you you've seen one hospital reporting structure. I mean, there's no everybody's different, but uh, we happen to report up through the the into the quality uh, structure, and so we try to adopt um, some of the quality improvement methodology into our Employee safety improvement work as well. So we're always looking at, um, you know, doing PDSA cycles and analyzing, you know, did this intervention work? Did it, uh, did it make our staff safer? Safer. Uh, if so, let's let's uh, adopt it and spread it uh, organization wide. If not, let's uh, modify it and see if we can, we can get some improvement. So, um, so there's a lots of. Uh, Lots of kind of like piloting and testing and seeing uh, what things work, what things don't, and and seeing how we can make things better.
0: Definitely, definitely. That's great information. And I like how you mentioned that in terms of the reporting structures. I know that in some hospitals, like you said, you know, they'll go through the the quality structure. And in some, they'll go through risk management. And in some, those are integrated or, or they have something completely different. Um, I've seen where they'll have a department for occupational health and safety, and I've seen some where everything rolls up under patient safety quality, um, QBSI, patient safety quality and infection prevention. So um, definitely a lot of variances there, but it sounds like you'll have a a good communication with your leadership, and that allows for your your preventative efforts. That's one of the things that's hugely important we always talk about is the leading indicators so that we know that things are valid and reliable as we go forward in terms of prevention so that we don't have one of those, one of those situations where we have a reduction in injuries or exposures, and we find out that it was just a lucky month, but there weren't actually any preventative measures being used. So that's fantastic that you all have that going on. So with all that being said, we've talked about ergonomics, and we talked about how the ergonomics kind of quote unquote show up in the workplace, especially in the healthcare workplace. Uh, We talked about best practices in terms of ways to prevent the injuries and the exposures. And then we talked about the validation and the leading indicators. And y'all have also shared a lot of great information about communication with your leadership and, and structure. So with all that being said, um, is there any other information that you'd like to share with our with our members today? Anything you think could help them out?
2: Um, I think, um, like I, I I mentioned earlier, but i I've, We'd probably be good just to stress best practice sharing with other organizations that have operations similar to yours. Um, I think that that's typically a pretty good source of new ideas and, and ways to do things um, without completely reinventing the wheel. So that's something that we've gotten pretty good at doing. And I I, I would recommend, you know, if you're not doing that, to do that. Um, our Bureau of Workers' Comp in the state of Ohio is another good resource. Um, I think if you can reach out to either your state BWC or um, universities that might have ergonomic programs, I think is another good place um, to get information and resources. And then um, uh, besides looking at the NIOSH lifting equation and other guidelines that are out there from safety entities, safety and health entities, um, I've learned that nursing and other healthcare professional organizations often have some pretty good ideas and some good research that's been done in ergonomics. So that's something that would would be good to look at. If you're not looking at that, I, um, I've learned that in the last year and a half since I've been at the hospital. And I think that that's a good place to go to.
1: Yeah. And I guess the only other thing I would add is that um, there are A number of hospital collaboratives that have started over the years, and um, you know, some have, many have started in the uh, with the focus on patient safety, and now they're starting to focus uh, or add the focus of uh, staff employee safety as well. And and those are are very valuable. We're we're fortunate to be involved in a, a children's hospital collaborative that focuses on patient and staff safety um but uh but there's probably hospital collaboratives in all parts all different parts of the country that are beginning to or, or have already focused on staff safety as well and just the the value of of being able to share with other organizations and hospitals about uh about different interventions about things that works things that didn't work uh, is uh is 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 very helpful and we we've learned so much from being part of the collaborative that we're in
0: that's fantastic I definitely agree about the the benchmarking and the and the collaboration those are definitely great aspects and they help to again going back to reliability and validity you know we can see what's what's working and and where there's still improvement areas and that's something we always talk about as well you know, with conferencing and and different professional development is that healthcare, you know, historically hasn't had as much of a presence as industries like oil and gas or chemical or uh, manufacturing, things of that nature. So that's definitely one of our objectives with the healthcare practice specialty is to continue to develop resources and continue to develop, you know, networking and crosstalk so that we can help each other out. Um, So with that, your information today has just been outstanding and we sure appreciate y'all joining us um as we said before with the healthcare practice specialty if anybody's interested in getting involved you're welcome to talk on our advisory board or you're welcome to work with us on any initiatives such as podcasting articles um we have our health health publication and of course we do a lot of our stuff as well so feel free to reach out our information is on the ASSP Healthcare Practice Specialty website, and you can also talk to us on the discussion board on the ASSP communities. And other than that, we appreciate your time today, and we will talk to you next time.
2: Thank you, Corey.
1: Thank you.